بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the third of July in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we've completed the 10th week the 70th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and I spent the last session or so in which I was taking a glimpse into the taqlid that Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashari radiyallahu did with the great Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu so Abu Musa radiyallahu he had gone on to say by way of praise for me to sit in a gathering of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu is far better for my soul than doing actions of sunnah i.e. worshipping subhanallah for me to sit in a gathering of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is far better for my soul than doing actions of sunnah i.e. worshipping this is recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his seal 1-493 Hafiz ibn Rajab rahmatullahi in his walathatul anbiya shal hadith abi darda page 73 of the new English translation so here notice Abu Musa radiyallahu he loved to be in the company of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And what did he say? It is better for my soul, not equal. It is better for my soul than doing actions of sunnah, meaning worship. So, alhamdulillah, we've also had the privilege of 70 nights thus far, being in the company of the great Ibn Mas'ud So how great is it to keep the company? So the reports mention. One of the Salaf, he said that the blessings of Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, descends when the righteous are mentioned. The blessings of Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, descend when the righteous are mentioned. This is mentioned by Sufyan, uh, Sufyan ibn Uyayna and the hadith is in Tabarani. So the blessings of Allah descend when you just mention the righteous. So the question to follow on from that is what then is the worth of being in the company of the righteous? There's a huge difference between mentioning them and being in their company. And here Abu Musa was saying it is better for my soul than the sunnah I to sit in the gathering of Ibn Mas'ud And this is why there's other reports. Ibn Hiban, the great Muhaddith, he said it is better to break rocks with the righteous than to eat dessert with the wicked. <laughs> it is better to break rocks with the righteous than to eat dessert with the wicked. So what did he mean, the great Ibn Hiban? What he meant was, it's not easy to break rocks. It's physical labor, manual labor. So the point he was getting across there was, you have to fight your nafs to be in the company of the righteous. But it's worth it. But eating dessert is lovely. But what's the after effects? So he goes, keeping the company of the wicked is easy on the nafs. But it harms you. Therefore, Ibn Hiban was saying, you know, prepare the nafs for this. 
And there's many other reports. For instance, is a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, where the Prophet ﷺ, he said, those who keep the company of camels, they grow arrogant. Or the owner of camels grow arrogant. Or those who keep the company of sheep or goats, or the owner of goats or sheep, they become humble. So why is this an amazing report? Because you can't talk to camels and they affect you. You can't talk to sheep or goats and they affect you. The Prophet was telling you that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So what was he putting to bed? He was putting to bed, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the myth that company does not affect you. People say this. I know when to leave the company. Bakwas. Instantly they start affecting you. So this is why it's important for suhbah. Suhbah means companionship. And also, why does Allah the Almighty and Glorious mention the dog in Surah Al-Qaf? Why does he mention? So the scholars say because he kept the company of seven saints. So Allah Ta'ala has honored him in the Quran. Imam Razi, Rahmatullah in his tafsir Kabir, he said that that dog will become a human and will enter paradise. So not only has Allah Ta'ala honored him by keeping the company of the saints, he actually gives him paradise. So, this is again very important to highlight. And of course, famously, the Prophet mentions that if, even if you spend a few moments with the, with the musk seller, even if you don't buy anything, you will smell of musk. So, what does that mean? It means that even a, a short time with the righteous, you will benefit. And of course, he said the same for the one who's going past a furnace or the blacksmith, because he will be affected by this. So note again, the Prophet mentioned this, and of course the companions are called companions for that reason. The Sahaba. Why? Because they kept the committee of the best of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Lord Abu Musa was highlighting this, not just the place himself, he's, highlight, he's encouraging one and all, because you should do this as well. Because this is better for my soul than doing actions of sunnah. And what's amazing is, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said the same for Umar. He goes, spending time with Umar or a day with Umar is better than one year of worship. So note, worship is priceless. And yet, the companions are highlighting companionship is even more weighty. Why? Because there's something you get which is you can't get from worship when you keep the company of the righteous. And similarly, Yazid ibn Umaydah, he said, When death was upon Mu'ad ibn Jabal, it was said to him, Ya Aba Abdul Rahman, O Sina, O father of Abdul Rahman, advises. He thereupon said, Ajli Suni, help me sit. So they helped him to sit. He thereupon said three times, Verily knowledge and iman are at their place. Whoever desires them will now find them. He thereupon added, Seek knowledge from four men. Uweymir Abu Darda. Salman al-Farisi, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, and Abdullah ibn Salam, who used to be a Jew and then embraced Islam. Indeed, I have heard Rasulullah say of him, 
انہو آشرو انہو آشرو اشرت فی الجنہ ویرلی ہی ویل بی دی ٹینتھ آف دی ٹین ان پارنس سبحان اللہ سو لیس لکھ اس سو دیس ایز ریکارڈڈ ان نسائی نمبر ترمذی نمبر 3804 حسن صحیح غریب احمد انز مسند نمبر 2265 او 5242 ابن حبان نمبر 2252 صحیح حاکم انز مستدرک 1-98 صحیح تو دی کرائیٹیریا او بخاری ان مسند زہبی صحیح مشکات والیوم 4 نمبر 150 ان دی چپٹر ان دی کمپانیز ان جنو بزار ابن خزیمہ ابن اساکر قنز العمال والیوم 2 پیش 325 الہیتمی ان مجمع الزوائد والیوم 2 پیش 312 آیات الصحابہ والیوم 4 پیش 141 of the new English translation related similar so this is a flawless report recorded in the sunnans so Mu'ad ibn Jabal he's dying what was he dying from? it was the plague of Ambas he was very young he was in his 30s so his strength had been sapped they knew he was on his deathbed so what did they respectfully ask him? They goes, Ya Abba Abdul Rahman Ausina, please advise us, meaning we need your advice. So he goes, sit me up. This shows he was very weak. And what did he say? This is very interesting. He said three times, Inna l'ilma wal-imana makana huma manibtaha huma wajana huma. Verily knowledge and iman are now in their place. Whoever desires them will now find them. So this statement of his explains why there was a rush to spread the deen. Because Islam was in danger. It hasn't been established. But by the time the plague came, Mu'ad testified because now it's safe. Nobody can eradicate Islam. The knowledge is in its place. Iman is in its place. Because now you can find them both. Now what's interesting, isn't knowledge Iman? Why didn't he just say Iman is in his place? Because he's highlighting that to get Iman, you need knowledge. So people just relay, they don't even reflect upon what the Sahaba is saying. Then he said it three times. Why? Because he knows people are sleeping. Right? So he's saying it three times. He goes, this is a very important thing I'm telling you. Knowledge and Iman are now in their place. And isn't it true? Even in the year 2023, aren't they in the place? You can find it. Well, you make it to make, make effort. Then he said, Seek knowledge from four men. Now, why is that interesting? There were thousands of Sahabas still alive. He mentioned four. What he meant was, these four have a special access to knowledge. He mentioned Uwaymir Abu Darda, Hakim al-Ummah. The Prophet said, Allah has given me Abu Darda. He embraced Islam on the day of Badr. Very famous companion. And you can ask me after. Salman al-Farsi. Again, the great Persian companion who had knowledge of the previous scripture. Then who was the third he mentioned? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He's there again. He goes, find him, go to him. And then he mentioned Abdullah ibn Salam because he was a rabbi who embraced Islam. And he said something about it because I've heard with my own ears that the Prophet said about Abdullah ibn Salam, إِنَّهُ عَشِرُ عَشَرَةٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ Verily, he will be the tenth of the ten in paradise. Now, what does that mean? So the Prophet said it, we believe it. But what does it mean? Verily, he, Abdullah ibn Salam, will be the tenth of the ten in paradise. So obviously, he's not one of the ten promised paradise. 
So what does that mean? Whatever it means, it shows that he has a great status in paradise. He's one of the most fortunate, the highest ranked in paradise. So subhanallah, look at the glorious companion's love, trust of the great Ibn Mas'ud. As compared to the vile slander spoken of him by many ignoramuses in today's enlightened day and age. You look, look at the strong contrast. Abu Musa goes, you don't know how much I get to be in his company. It's better than the sunnah, many acts of worship. Muad's dying. He goes, go to him. And now you go to a person, oh, no, no, no. You go direct, brother. Direct to what? Hell, right? Direct to the Quran and sunnah. So you bypass the ones who gave it to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us from all forms of deviation and misguidance. Amen. So moving on to another subsection, and it's a question. Can the wife give zakat to her husband? So there's a report. So this narration is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1466, Sayyid Muslim, number 1000, Riyadh Salihin, number 326, Targhim, number 620, Mishkat in the chapter on zakat. Sayyidah Zainab al-Thaqafiyah, the wife of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, she related. Rasulullah once said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Tasaddaqna ya ma'ashanan nisai, walaw min huliyikunna. O women, give sadaqah, even though it may be from your own jewelry. I then came to my husband Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and I said to him, you are a man who does not possess much. And Rasulullah has commanded us to give him sadaqah. Those, please go and inquire from him, that if giving to you would serve for me as sadaqah, otherwise I shall give it to someone else. <laughs> so stop in the report, so what's happened? So the Prophet he's encouraged the female folk he goes, give sadaqah even if it's from your jewelry. So she told straight away, my husband's, you know, he's needy. Can I give it to my husband? So she asked him. She goes, look, could you get clarification? Just go and please ask the Prophet about this. If he says no, I'll give it to somebody else. He said, you better go yourself. <laughs> In other words, you know, it's embarrassing. You know, Can my wife give me sadaqah? You, know, you go and ask. In another report, there's an addition. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 8862 is Hassan. Abu Huraira, he relates, she took some jewelry of hers and Ibn Masood said to her, Aina tadhhabina bihad al-huli. Where are you going with this jewelry? She replied, I am going to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by means of it. In the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not make me one of the people of hell. He replied, Wailak, halumma tasaddaqi bihi aliyya wa ala waladi fa'anna laho mawdi'. Woe to you. Give it in charity to me and my children, for I am the most deserving of it. She replied, La, wallahi, had. 
No, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not until I take it to the Prophet. So this is another report which has a very important detail. So in this authentic edition, what's happened? Ibn Musud asks her about the jewelry. Is where you taking it? So she said, I am using it to get close to Allah Ta'ala and his messenger. Now think about that. What a lesson for the female folk. Why have you got gold and jewelry? How many women can put hand on hand, say, get close to Allah Ta'ala and right? Bangles for brains, right? So she goes, I'm going to give it to get close. So he said, Wailak, he goes, woe to you. Give the sadaqa to me and the children. Because where was deserving? He knew the answer. So she says, no, I'm going to take it to the Prophet. I'm going to ask first. Going back to the report in Bukhari. So Zainab radiyallahu she said, I went. And subhanallah, I found a woman from the Ansar at the entrance of Rasulullah's dwelling who had come for the same purpose as I. So she thought, alhamdulillah, somebody else, same question. I don't even need to ask. Rasulullah was, inv- was invested with great awe. So Bilal walked past. And we said to him, O Bilal, go to Rasulullah, inform him that there are two women at the door who have come to ask you whether it will serve them to give sadaqah to their husbands and to orphans who are in their charge. But do not inform him who we are. So they thought, you got Bilal, mashallah, special servant of the Prophet wasallam. He goes, get the message across, but don't tell him who, who's, at, who's putting the question forward. So Bilal, he entered and he informed the Prophet wasallam. The Prophet thereupon asked, Man huma? Who are the two women? He said, a woman of the Ansar and Zainab. <laughs> so now what's interesting, didn't the women say, oh, you mustn't tell us. When it comes to the Prophet, you know, you know, you listen to the Prophet. So he didn't even, you know, say, oh, no, no, Ya Rasulullah, they've actually said that I shouldn't, you know. He didn't even put that forward. He said, one of the women from the Ansar and Zainab. Then the Prophet asked, Ayyu Zayanib. Which Zainab? There's hundreds of them. He replied, the wife of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. The Prophet thereupon said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Lahuma ajran, arjul qaraba wa ajru sadaqa. Inform them they will have two rewards. The reward for kinship and the reward for sadaqa. So now, let's look at this report. So Zainab, like I mentioned, she was the famous wife of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Now what's amazing is the female folks, is not, they're not often mentioned, but they're really, they are just, if not stronger than most of the men. What did they give in Sataka? Think about that. What do we give? Let's see if I got some change. <laughs> and you go, I got some change? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> So when have you given the most, the biggest note from your wallet? You go, oh brother, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? And there you go. He starts with your bayan. They're giving jewelry. That's the most prized possessions for the females. So when have we given dunda? And what did she say? She goes, I'm giving it so I can get close to Allah Ta'ala and his messenger. And I hope that I'm not amongst the people of hell. 
So Ibn Mas'ud, you know, he's the barnyard of knowledge. He goes, he goes give it to me then. <laughs> give it to your children. So she was thinking, obviously, hang on a minute. That's not sadaqah. How can my sadaqah, I'll benefit from that. You know, if I give it to you <laughs> and I give it to my children, it goes, really, it's like it's coming back. That's the her logic. So what is the danger? The danger now is you don't use logic. Logic has a place, but once you get, you know, a great scholar mentioning something, class, you know, he must know the text. Do the clean of him. She goes, no, <laughs> I'm going to go to the Prophet So anyway, she went and Alhamdulillah, there was another female there, companion. And then Bilal obviously passed the message on. He instantly exposed who they were. And then, look how interesting. Why did the Prophet want to know? You know, it's very interesting. Why did he say, Ayyuzayanin. Which Zainab? Because he wanted to know whether the husband of that wife had actually informed. And when the response came, it was Ibn Mas'ud's wife, he knew that he must have told her. So then he says, he didn't even go into it, he just says, Lahuma ajran, ajrul qaraba wa ajrul sadaqa. They will have two rewards. The reward for qaraba, urba means, you know, uh, closeness, bringing family closer. And wa ajrul sadaqa, the reward for sadaqa. You get two rewards. Hmm. However, in another report, Abu Huraira radiallahu related that she clarified, sorry, that she had clarified the whole scenario to the Prophet herself. So in another report, Abu Huraira is narrated. And he said it was Zainab who clarified the whole scenario. And the Prophet responded, Give it in charity to him and his sons, for they are most deserving of it, O Zainab. <coughs> this is in Ahmed in his Musnad number 8862 it's Hassan so now which one was it mm. was it Bilal who got the message across and the Prophet told it to Bilal or according to this authentic report in Ahmed she herself asked so he seems to indicate she wanted further clarification because <laughs> don't forget Bilal told so then she was thinking I need to hear this direct and when she asked the Prophet he says give it to your husband and sons, they are most deserving. And in another report, the Prophet responded, Ibn Mas'ud has spoken the truth. Your husband and your children have more right to it than anybody else. This is in Sayyish Bukhari, number 1462. So the Prophet praised Ibn Mas'ud. He goes, he told the truth. He goes, your husband certainly and your children have more right to it. Now look how fascinating that is. Does a mother ever think that giving her wealth to her husband and her children is sadaqah? Look how strange that is. How is that sadaqah? That's what the Prophet said. And if they're deserving, even more so give it to them. Why? Because the wife, she has her own wealth. The husband has no access to it. You know, some people, they build culture into it. What's mine is yours. The mother is, no, 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 keep that bakwash to yourself. Right? What's mine is mine, what's yours, yours. And then when zakat time comes, what happens? You know, then it starts, oh no, you pay my zakat, I don't pay your zakat, it's your wealth. Mine is mine and yours, yours, isn't it, mashallah? So anyway, she has got her own wealth, she doesn't need to work a day of her life. 
when she is not married, the father has to cater for her. When she gets married, the husband has to look after her. If she da- if she becomes a widow or she gets divorced, her brothers and her family have to look after her. This is the honor given to women. Now, why is Allah the Almighty and Glorious designed it like this? Because they are the mothers that bring up nations. They haven't got time to do silly things. Right? Why? Because the children need your attention. That's the whole point of the wisdom behind the Shariat. Why do you need to work? Though there's no harm in working, but really, why? If you need more money, get the husband to get a second job. <laughs> and what's interesting, I have no to finish. A lot of husbands don't, like, don't want their wives to know their lives. Because once they know, imagine if they say, well, you know, we need a little thing, we need a bigger upgrade. <laughs> And the Prophet said the, the woman is the queen of the household. Mm-hmm. So if she wants a house, you have to cater for that. You can you know you could reason with her, so oh, look, this house is perfect, you know, it really fall into bits. Right? So this is the rights of the wife. Imagine. <laughs> Only thing we know is, you know, I know my rights, mashallah. And I'll mention further <coughs> the fig with regards to this matter tomorrow, inshallah. So all I mentioned today was basically two things. The love and the value that Abu Musa had keeping the company of Ibn Mas'ud and I highlighted the importance of keeping good company. And then I mentioned even upon the deathbed of Mu'ad, he was highlighting which companions to go to and one of them was of course Ibn, the great Ibn Mas'ud. Then I mentioned the question, can the wife give zakat to her husband? And I mentioned that more at length tomorrow in Are there any questions you want to ask?